Hello, everybody, and welcome into a new episode of the Eye on the Tigers podcast here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm Ben Fredrickson, joined, as always, by my colleague, Dave Matter. And Dave, we've talked uh, a lot of weeks in, in Mizzou sports as we've been doing this podcast. I believe this is our 100th episode, so oh, congratulations. Wow. Um, right. But I don't know that uh, I don't know that we've talked as big of a weekend in Mizzou sports as we will this week, and kind of fitting for the 100th episode to be talking about a, a Saturday, kind of previewing a Saturday that will bring two ranked teams to Columbia. We've got a huge game for the Missouri football team against Georgia after the Tigers have won five of their last six and are now crept into the college football playoff top 25, and also a massive game for. Missouri basketball against a, a really a top five Illinois team. They're ranked six, but they just beat Duke and bragging rights on, uh, on that same evening. Um, we're going to yeah. look for those games. We're going to break down the week that led up to this massive week for Mizzou, but there's a lot going on in Columbia, man. It really is. And it, again, I've, I've said this a lot this week. I don't want to throw a damper on, but it, it really is a shame that fans can't enjoy these things in person like they would be able to in a normal year when you can have more than 11,000 at a football game and more than 3,000 at a basketball game. And actually, for bragging rights, they're not going to have any because they can't have fans of that game. That was part of the agreement with Illinois. So everyone's going to have to, you know, watch this on TV for the ones that can't make it uh, to the game on Saturday, the football game on Saturday. It's but man, this is, I, I can't recall a weekend like this. There's been, there's been overlaps between the two programs, um, but not where they're playing next door to each other on the same day, both against top 10 teams that I can recall ever anything like this, because bragging rights is always in St. Louis for one. So um, this is, this is, could be a great week. I'd like to, I'm probably gonna do this on my chat, but I'd I want to poll fans. If you could only win one game Saturday, which one would you rather win? And I would think football would be the answer because it's a conference game and it's kind of another feather in the cap for Drinkwitz if you can beat Georgia. But what's, you know, you can't, you're not going to get into the playoffs for football. But with basketball, if you beat a top six Illinois team, you really gain some momentum. I, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd like to see what the answer would be. It'd be a chance to go three in a row and bragging rights over yeah. Illinois. And they haven't had a team this hyped since you know, since uh, Conzo and Brad Underwood have been clashing in this rivalry, that'd be a good question. Uh, hey, I, I think a split would be um, would be a pretty good either way it comes. Yeah. Now, Missouri fans, knowing Missouri fans are, you know, they, they're abiding by the rule. When, when, when things are going well, you put on your cup and prepare for the worst. But uh, they, they've been having some reasons to be fired up. And, and, and that started on on Saturday. Well, really, it kind of started with Missouri basketball beating Oregon. Um, they get a ranked neutral site win. Um, that was uh, kind of, I think, opened some eyes to what this team can be. And we're recording this on a, on, on a Wednesday morning. So Missouri basketball will play a home game against Liberty um, this evening. And I, we've, we've tried to caution folks, don't overlook Liberty for Illinois because Liberty has already knocked off two SEC teams. They were yeah. an NCAA tournament team. They're good and probably not you know, going to get the credit they deserve entering this game. They play a, a strange kind of system. So just, you know, don't don't assume that game is going to be an automatic win for the Tigers as we look ahead to Illinois. That momentum from the Oregon win kind of rolls into this, uh, you know, big game against Arkansas with all these crazy storylines. Let's start there, Dave, a, a 50 to 48 win um, that was uh, <laughs> didn't include much defense. We joked in the press box during the game that maybe 
maybe uh, Ryan Walters and Barry Odom called like a truce or played around a golf during the game. Um, just because the defense, those that, are, that had played well for both teams, they were, they really struggled. There were guys missing, there were guys hurt. There was a terrible suspension of Nick Bolton on a targeting penalty, but Missouri finds a way to win with a, with a critical last drive and amazing clutch performance by, by Harrison Mevis. That was a game for, for the memory bank, not because of the opponent being so great, but just because of the, the fact that Missouri in years past might've found ways to lose that game. And instead they found a way to win it. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was wild. I mean, I was just doing the math, still kind of marveling at what this game was. It's kind of a statistical oddity. 171 plays from scrimmage, 71 first downs. Uh, we saw all the touchdowns, um, all the points, obviously. Not a single turnover. Yeah. That's it's hard to do, especially with Arkansas. They get a ton of interceptions. So credit led, to led the SEC offense. in picks. Yeah. Yeah. You can look at it one of two ways. Either defenses didn't do their job or the offenses just did a really good job of protecting the ball. Um, nine touchdowns uh, in the red zone alone. You know, that's, it's crazy. Only one sack for each team, Missouri five of five from field goals. It was, uh, it, it was wild. There's so many kind of uh, storylines, obviously, but then just so many moments, so many players that really stood out. I mean, that, that game went from one incomplete pass, maybe on that uh, final drive for Missouri from KJ Jefferson being the redshirt freshman hero to Connor Basilak being the redshirt freshman hero in, in a game of 171 plays. It's just, crazy how you know one little thing can tilt things in the opposite direction and you wrote about it everybody's written about it that play in the end zone on the two-point conversion if Jamal Brooks just knocks that pass down instead of trying to catch it or if he does catch it you know game over essentially and, and Missouri pulls it out with another great finish in that end zone like they had against LSU earlier in the year instead it's the nightmare scenario unfolding in that end zone like the Kentucky game a couple of years ago everybody in that stadium except for the Arkansas fans got a feel for Jamal Brooks because he's only in the game because Nick Bolton was tossed on a terrible targeting call so it had all the makings of just a, a classic that um, and I think in this case it was probably good that it was the 11 a.m. kickoff as far as people get to see it because I saw people that cover other teams national writers like oh my god Missouri Arkansas is the best game of the day watch this thing and it was if you had no rooting interest it probably was pretty fun to watch and it was fun to cover because it's just something crazy every possession it seemed like Matt we gotta I won't belabor the Nick Bolton thing I've gone nuts about it on Twitter now and I'm trying to move on but I mean my god Eli Drinkwitz after the game says hey I thought it was the right call now he says something different uh you know a couple of days yeah. later after he's had a chance to review it I don't blame him for going up there and getting fined after a win you know that doesn't make right. a lot of sense I think he would have given a different answer after the game if they would have lost um right. at least if he would have had a chance to see the film what, what do you make of this? I mean, the SEC has said, hey, we, they thought it was contact to the head. We saw countless replays of it in the press box. I didn't see it. Play that if that can't be allowed, then I don't, I don't really know how a guy like Nick Bolton, who's a, who's a physical specimen, going to be an NFL linebacker, is supposed to tackle a, a receiver coming across the middle if that hit can't happen. Yeah, and, and I thought Drinkwitz was pretty good on Tuesday sort of explaining things a little bit more in depth. And he said he talked to the SEC league office. He talked to the officials in the aftermath of everything to get a further explanation. He doesn't agree with it, but he's also not the type that's going to, um, you know, bitch and moan about the call in the aftermath. I mean, maybe if they lose, maybe he is a little bit more vocal about it. Um, but, you know, the, 
the upward thrust, which is one of the three indicators you have to have, or two of the three indicators you have to have, was there. I mean, he did do that. But as uh, Drinkwitz had the great quote, he's like, when big dude hits little dude at fast at, at velocity, that's what happens. That's football. That doesn't necessarily mean it's illegal. And he said, Nick's a big dude. That guy was a little dude. And those those things happen. It wasn't it. We've seen so many more hits that are there's more maliciousness there. There's intent. It, it really seems like the guy is trying to knock the receiver's head off. That wasn't the case. This one was similar to the one the Arkansas safety had a couple weeks ago at LSU, where the guy's just trying to make a play. And unfortunately, he's also the best player on the field or one of and, and can't play the rest of the game. So it, it was unfortunate. I think the, the, the good news is, you know, it happened in the first half and Missouri gets him back for the start of the Georgia game. Um, I don't want to say it was a silver lining at all. This is you don't say that, but he was banged up in that game. He wasn't playing at his usual speed or burst. Uh, he didn't have many tackles. For what it's worth, his PFF grade was abysmal. Uh, so they saw something that wasn't there when, when he was running around. And Missouri's defense, actually, if you look per play, per possession, they were better when he wasn't in the game. Now, that could have been due to a million different factors, game planning, just some strategy things they were doing, things that Arkansas was doing. But he uh, not going to call him a liability out there, but he wasn't 100%. So hopefully, for their sake, they get him back and he's healthy for the Georgia game and able to run around and do all the things that, that makes him a really special player. I thought it said a lot about Nick Bolton that uh, now that people want to know, how is he on the sideline? Well, they've changed the rule. You don't have to go yeah. sit in the locker room now and watch it on TV. You can actually be on the sideline. Some better, they, you know, they go, they, they don't come back. He was back on the sideline in his sweatsuit, cheering on his teammates. And I think that did, I think that does make a difference when you see your team leader there, but still bought in after he's removed from the game. Tyler Beatty's touchdown before Arkansas retakes the lead, which set up the, the game-winning uh, field goal. You look down, and there's Nick Bolton running down the sideline, you know, along yeah. with Tyler Beatty as he goes in for the 25-yard touchdown. I think that's a sign of everybody kind of pulling in the right direction. The, the electricity on that Mizzou sideline, even when they were, were down, I, there's, there's a change in this team. I right. mean, they really don't think they're, they're out of it. Part of that's because they've got a, a, a freshman field goal kicker who can make five field goals in a game. I'd be curious to know how many guys have done that this season. It seems like usually there's a rule where if you make three, you got to miss one. Um, <laughs> this kid, Harrison Nevis, has been has been cold blooded, and he kind of shares some qualities there with with this quarterback, Connor Bazelak. Dave, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about how Connor Bazelak ran such a basic offense in high school. We didn't know what to expect. Well, now we do, and this guy is going to be around for a while. I mean, they've got some young players who are who are seem to be made for these moments here. And, and the moment is never too big for them. I mean, that's the most impressive thing. I mean, you look uh, at a guy like, and not to pick on Jamal Brooks, because other guys made mistakes too, where a senior gets out there and, and struggles a little bit and gosh, and then the, the one mistake turns into another mistake. Whereas these guys just, they're, they're made up differently. I mean, Harrison, he was, from the beginning of the season, he's kicking 50 yard field goals and it's just nothing to him. You ask him about him after the game, you barely know that he just kicked the game winner as time expired in a rivalry game. He's like, well, that's my job. They sent me out to do it. It's only 32 yards. It's a chip shot for me. And he, he's just so good. He's so calm. I, he, he showed a little swagger in the post game. Asked him about, hey, are you going to drink the Kool-Aid tonight? Because that's that's drink what's his big warning for any player, young player, especially that has some success. Don't drink the Kool-Aid is his phrase. We all know what that means. And Mebus has asked, are you going to drink the Kool-Aid? And he says, 
I might tonight. So give him credit for having a little personality. Um, you know, just a freshman, but he'll be a freshman again next year. That's the best part. Same with Connor Bazelak. He's going to be – Connor Bazelak's going to be a, a freshman when he's like 30 years old. So uh, <laughs> this rule is really benefiting Missouri, and it's a, it's a great situation to have two, you know, pressure-packed positions where you've got to have nerves of steel if you're going to be great, and it appears they have two of those. Um, it wasn't all cupcakes and rainbows. We do got to talk a little bit about the defense that had played so well, um, you know, games this season, kind of a, a real step back for the defense. Now credit to the offense for, for bailing it out, but it didn't seem, it seemed to me like the kind of the beginning of the issue started with just any sort of lack of penetration pressure from that defensive line. Um, they gave a backup quarterback a chance to get comfortable went from being a surprise starter in this game. I mean, Felipe warmed up, went through warm-up. And it seemed like it seemed like Jefferson had a chance to really not only get comfortable, but realize, hey, I can do what I want against this team. And, you know, the numbers were, were unlike what Mizzou has done in previous games. They're going to have to get something figured out there before they play a Georgia team that has won two in a row since its upsetting loss to, to Florida. Yeah, I, I, Arkansas's offense was really impressive. The, the running back, Traylon Smith, was good. I, they just couldn't stop him right up the gut. Some of that RPO stuff where you know, Jefferson could have kept it based on his read, but he just handed it up the gut, and they'd get six, seven yards almost every time. Missouri, they had trouble with the tempo. They had trouble getting lined up. They had trouble getting their calls in, it looked like, to the point where we saw a lot of, a lot of players go down with some injuries who came back later in the game, and Sam Pittman pointed that out after the game. Um, good old Sam even brought up the I word integrity and uh, Missouri fans got pretty hot a couple months ago when Kentucky defensive players were going down with some phantom injuries when Missouri's no huddle offense was was cooking and uh, it, it appeared that Missouri players were miraculously healing after some of those uh, injuries too but there's nothing you can do about it. you got to stop the game if a guy goes down trainer comes out and it's just kind of part of the game now that doesn't mean it's right but that's why I, a couple of weeks ago or months ago when fans were all over Kentucky I was like hey don't be too critical here you never know when that becomes your strategy too so that's that's just a statement that Missouri's defense got to play better they just got to they got to make some game-changing plays which they did in the second half um, but not enough of them they just they could not get off the field our old friend Dave Christensen might say uh, that's a that's a nice ethics um, conversation <laughs> But you're right. I mean, some of the coaches, Sam Pittman could be barking about that one week and uh, having his players do the same the next. That's that's college football right now with when it when it yeah. comes to trying to find a way to combat these up tempo offenses. So, um, you know, will that be a theme in, uh, in in the Georgia game? I don't know. But Dave, let's let's talk about this Georgia team, because, you know, we didn't know what the Bulldogs were going to look like post Florida loss. Um, some of these teams that have kind of lost their opportunity to play for what they entered the season reaching for have kind of fallen apart. We've seen opt-outs. We've seen, we've seen, you know, programs lose momentum. And Georgia clearly entered this season with the hope of playing for a national championship. But they haven't, uh, they haven't raised the white flag, um, to quote Kirk Herbstreet, um, since losing to Florida. They've won two in a row. Now, they didn't play last week because of Vanderbilt's COVID situation. So they've had a lot of in a lot more time off than they would have liked. They had a close win against Mississippi State, but they also beat South Carolina, two programs that are that are not in, in great shape right now either. What do we make of, of where Georgia is entering this game? I think Missouri probably has more to play for 
um, just based off the way their season is trending. But this is clearly going to be the best opponent that Missouri has played in a while, too. Yeah, I, I think it, it works a little bit against Missouri just as far as personnel goes that this game got pushed back almost a month because, yeah, Georgia doesn't have as much to play for anymore. You wonder about motivation. You wonder about them playing in, in you know, crummy Missouri December weather. But they've got a quarterback now. JT Daniels has started the last two games, the USC transfer. He was had a knee injury a year ago, then transferred took a while to get fully recovered this season. They've gone to him these last two weeks. He, in two games, he has more touchdown passes than Connor Basilek has all season. So they're doing something right offensively now. And they've also got two guys back. They're hoping to get back on defense. Really good players. Richard LeCount, their safety, Jordan Davis, their nose tackle. Those guys were going to be out the first time this game was supposed to happen. So they're getting a little healthier. So um, maybe that balances out the, the motivation factor. Who knows? It's hard to measure that. Um, but they do seem to have a clue in the passing game now when they didn't early on. And that probably is what cost them in those games against Alabama and Florida that they lost. First time since Kirby's first year that they've lost two regular season games, you know, before uh, the postseason, before a championship game or the, or the bowl season. So kind of significant. But they are, they are playing pretty well. And what's their incentive at this point? They're going to play in a New Year's Six game, one of the non-playoff rotation bowls that's great you know that's not what Georgia begins its season wanting to play in but they still have the talent this is still an uphill climb for Missouri to beat this team Georgia's ranked 12th in the AP poll up to number nine in the college football playoff poll Missouri creeps into the CFP poll Dave at, at number 25 now let's just do a public service announcement you won't see the number 25 by Mizzou's name in the paper because AP style is you use the AP ranking poll the Tigers are not in the AP top 25. So before you send a an email, um, there's an explanation on that. But really, you know, this, these are two ranked teams that are going to be playing on Saturday. If you go by the the poll that that actually determines who's going to play for a national championship, which is the college football playoff poll, um, Missouri cracks that list. This is the first time, you know, if you go by, you know, it's not the it's not the AP top 25, but if Missouri football gets into the AP top 25 and the Missouri basketball team can creep in there as well, which certainly would happen with, with a win against Liberty and Illinois, if that were to happen, these teams would both be ranked in the AP top 25. You have to go all the way back to like, I think it was January of 2014. Um, when this had happened last, when Missouri was bouncing back after losing the SEC championship to Auburn to win, um, to beat Oklahoma State in a, in, in, in You'll, which bowl game was that? Uh, the uh, Oklahoma Cotton Bowl. Cotton Bowl, and you had Missouri, um, you know, cruising with uh, with Frank Hates last season. Um, so that's kind of what's on on tap this weekend. That's what's up for grabs. And you have a great phrase about this, which was you used it this week. Called it's an it's really a, a, a an investment for Mizzou. It's a down payment, if you will, for these teams. So what the energy will be like when they get fans back. Um, a you know a big weekend here. While not great with fans in the stands, um, it could it could mean that a lot more are back when these two teams can open their doors again. So I think that's a really smart yeah. way for these teams to look at it. Let's kind of pivot to to basketball. Missouri, look, they looked great at Oregon. I think people are starting to maybe see now why Conzo has been so high on this team. Um, he didn't like that they got picked tenth. He said they're better than that and they're going to go out and prove it. We're seeing now why he believes that they're finally healthy is the main thing. Um, what have you made from Missouri, you know, as we're recording this, entering this Liberty game, what have you made from them so far? 
Um, you're just your thoughts on what you're seeing. You know, they've, they've raced out to big leads early in these games, which is impressive. They haven't always started great in games under Conzo, offensively or defensively. They're playing great defense right off the jump. I think he's, he likes the starting five, the way they play together. Somebody's always been hot early on, and they've gotten comfortable leads. Now, you go up 17, and all of a sudden it's down to nine or eight. That's, there's no shame in that. There's, these are good teams they're playing against, Oregon and Wichita State. Oregon's going to be better as the year goes on. Yeah. they got a couple of transfers that weren't cleared yet. Um, that's going to be maybe the best team in the Pac-12 that they were projected to be. And Wichita State's always good. They're not going to be as good now. They don't have Greg Marshall, but that's still a quality win. Um, yeah, I just think the way they're playing together. And also, they go to Oregon. Drew Smith, not his best game. Didn't play great. Uh, fouled out. Or not fouled out, but he's in foul trouble for a while. And, you know, didn't have that same kind of leadership that he has the way he plays so solid all the time. Cause he's on the bench and he's coming in and out, had some, had one kind of cheap foul, but still he, he gets into foul trouble. Sometimes everybody makes a big fuss over Jeremiah Tillman. Well, well Drew gets a lot of fouls. He gets a lot of steals. Grabby. Grabby. Sometimes it's to a fault. Um, but Pinson steps up, plays great second half. Then you go to Wichita state. Pinson did not play well offensively. I think he won of 13 at one point. Maybe that's what he finished. Drew Smith picks up the slack, has a great game. Mark Smith solid in both games. So they, they're deep enough, good enough to survive one guy's off night. And that hasn't always really been the case with this team. Uh, Tillman's been fine. He's not been overpowering, but he hasn't been a liability. That's always good. Kobe Brown came up and, and uh, slow start to the season, played pretty well against Wichita with 14 points. Um, Javon Pickett is just consistently there. I think if you go into a game or a season and you don't say, Hey, we need Javon Pickett to be the second leading scorer, that's kind of a, maybe a, a scary assessment, but if he surprises you a little bit and scores 14 points, grabs a bunch of rebounds and just makes critical plays at critical times, that's all you ask for out of him. So they just have a good mix right now. And I, we talked about this earlier. We've talked about it before. I think they really have a chance to benefit from everything that's, you know, kind of ruined sports right now is the fact that they have this veteran team. Nothing really rattles them. Um, they're used to having to adjust. This is all the stuff that maybe we're younger teams are still kind of processing and managing through this. It's not going to phase this team to that degree. And that's what you want um, in a season. That's going to be unlike any other, when you got to cancel games and reschedule them at the last minute, take bus trips instead of flying, um, it, that doesn't sound like the worst thing in the world, but it is an adjustment. And I think when you've got a bunch of veteran guys that you don't worry about, uh, you have the advantage. It's already starting to get some some uh, some love nationally. You had uh, Mark Smith win SEC Player of the Week, Conzo Martin named ESPN's Coach of the Week, um, whatever that award means. Um, but uh, but that people are kind of starting to to see. Okay, maybe the Tigers are a little more um, of a threat in the SEC than than folks realized. I think to me, it's I had a chance to talk with Mark Smith and he talks about feeling better. He's finally kind of over those nagging injuries. And I think it's showing he's, he's, he looks, he's lighter, he's springier. He's, I think that's helping his shot and also helping his ability to drive. And we've seen Jeremiah Tillman stay on the court day. We've seen him get a couple of fouls and then find a way to play through it, which I think has been kind of a, a new development for him. We've talked about it for years. I think some of us, I mean, I'm, I'm in, I'm in this camp. I kind of gave up at one point and said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm done writing this still angle it's either going to happen or it's not well hey now he seems to be kind of trying to figure it out so that's helping them a ton they're so much better when he's out there just because of his ability to 
influence the game defensively, even without statistics. It's just a presence. Right. Um, and, and they're going to need all of that to have a chance against Illinois. I'm telling you, Missouri fans, if you, you know, stop paying attention to Illinois basketball last season when they, when the Tigers beat the Illini and bragging rights, um, it's not the same team. They got a lot better last year. Um, they were poised to wreak havoc in the NCAA tournament um, when, 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 it, when the bottom dropped out on it. They got all those guys back. Kofi Coburn and Io DeSumo came back. They have this really talented recruiting class. You know, this Carbello kid is, is going to make waves this year. He's a really fast, shifty, agile Steve Nashes point guard um, where he can't shoot the three, but he can, he's kind of like pinson like he can just get through anything. Um, yeah. And, and he's, a, he's a creator for his team. Their confidence is up big. Now, they lost a tough game at Baylor, but Baylor's really good. They rebounded win at Duke, no fans, but still a win at Duke. They're in uh, this is going to be have a chance to be a really, really good game, Dave. And even the even the Ken Palm is all over the place. You've been tracking how they keep yeah. flipping the projections of this game back and forth. I think this is going to be a really good game Saturday. Yeah, it has it has a chance to be for sure. And I, I, you know, Missouri has a way of making the last two years making this game ugly. And that that favors Missouri. You know, Io hasn't hasn't played really well against these guys. Jordan guys kind of locked him up two years ago. Um, for now it's I think part of it is those Missouri guys they kind of feed off that crowd Tillman Pickett Pinson those are all Illinois guys um they grew up on that side Pinson's a Chicago kid but you know he grew up a D Brown Illinois fan uh Mark Smith struggled last year but you know that obviously there's a connection there he played for Illinois um I wonder just if it will have the same juice with no fans even at home we don't know how they'll respond to that um but, I mean, I hate to say it, throw out the records, but in this year, heck, keep the records in there because they're both really good teams. But, um, yeah, I, I, I expect a, a, a brawl in this one. Uh, two really good teams. And, um, you know, this is Tillman's last chance to play against those guys. Uh, we, we, I asked him a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, are you going to miss the booze? Because there's not going to be a crowd and it's going to be a home. I mean, that – you know, that was just every time he like breathed on the ball in the past, it, the Dragon Rides, the Illinois side would, would scream at him. And he said, oh, it'll be kind of nice. I might get some, I might hear my family clap a little bit this time when I touch the ball. So I don't know. I think he's lying. I think he, I think he likes it a little bit. Um, those guys liked it last year. I mean, they, they put on the black hat, even though they got half the crowd as Mizzou fans, they, they loved it. So we'll see what the environment, how that makes a different game. Credit to both programs for playing this game. Oh, yeah. It could have been could have been one of those things that that kind of fell through the cracks of COVID season. So I, I'm I'm happy that uh, that both Conzo Martin and Brad Underwood understand what this game means and, and and wanted to find a way to make it happen. So credit to credit to them, Dave. Before we run here, it's not Mizzou related, but I'm I'm just curious because it will have SEC implications. If you have any thoughts on what's going on with this discussion of the Big Ten, and while we're handing out credit. I think you and I have, you know, we probably deserve a little bit because we've said on this podcast a lot, the big 10 football season is going to be a mess because yeah. they started late. They gave no, themselves no time to play by weeks. They, they acted like daily testing was going to be the reason they did not have to, you know, um, you know, bake in any extra time. And, and we were sitting there saying, this is, this is a bad idea. And sure enough, you've got Ohio state with, five games Michigan game drops and they're going to have to try to figure out how to get this team in the college football playoff how do they do it 
And is the SEC going to be able to say, hey, this isn't fair, you know, Texas A&M or, or maybe Notre Dame or, or, or another team deserves a shot to get in? Yeah, you, you got to figure that the, the uh, Big Ten is going to go back and change its rules somehow to get whatever they can to get Ohio State in that playoff. I guess right now, what is it? They, they're not going to be eligible for the Big Ten championship game because they haven't played enough games. It would be Indiana against Northwestern. Um, gosh, it's a, shame for Indiana. it's a shame for Indiana. All they've done is played a great season and they, they came up close, came up short in a really close game against Ohio state. But if the, if the, if the league goes in and, and recooks the cookbook and rewrites the rules and says, Hey, uh, we're going to, we're going to work this out. So Ohio state can get in. Um, you know, that's the, the sec set things up so they don't have to go back and do that. They started the season a little bit earlier. They added the two bye weeks. Now, the league is on the verge of losing its first game. Old Miss at Texas A&M has been postponed to next week. Um, but, or it's, I guess it's indefinitely postponed because both teams have another game next week. If, if, unless they can move it around somehow, that game is not going to exist. And that, that's a shame. But there's a lot more of that going on in the Big Ten and then the SEC. So uh, at this point, it does seem like the SEC is they're trying to play any game possible. We saw Missouri go down to South Carolina and play with 40 something players. Vanderbilt this week has 40 something players, scholarship players available. It's uh, it's, it's pretty grim, but they're, they're making do they're getting through it. Missouri's numbers have been fine since then. Um, we'll see, but it is, uh, you know, the league, the big 10 is going to do everything it's can to get Ohio state in that final four. And if they do, maybe they'll win the national championship. They're that good. But man, I you just kind of hate to, it to come at the expense of other teams that are doing it right and whose leagues are doing it right. I shouldn't say the teams are um, and, and able to play a more complete season. I've seen some people say, well, hey, Ohio State should go play um, Texas A&M. You know, this yeah. decided yeah. that way and it won't happen. But oh, no. here's the thing. If you're one of the people who wants to see that, then get become one of the people who are on my bandwagon to expand the college football playoff because that's what that game would be. That would, right. that would happen if this was eight teams. So if you want to right. see something like that, then get on board where uh, we meet every week on, uh, on Sundays after Saturdays, there's like a, we have flyers and we're going to, we're going to get this thing done. Um, we'll, we'll make it happen. Eventually it probably won't happen until the current contract runs out, but Hey, get on board with this. They should have done it this year. They should have used this year yeah. as a chance to experiment with it and they blew it. Um, and and they should have learned from it. But maybe this will be something that pushes them, the, the and, college football powers, in that direction. Yeah, and instead, if there's no upsets here in the next two weeks, we're, it's just going to be chalk. It's going to be Alabama. Now, if Clemson, if Clemson beats Notre Dame, they'll both get in in the ACC championship. If Notre Dame sweeps Clemson, I don't think Clemson should get in. Maybe they still squeak in, and Ohio State's the third seed. They should uh, not get in if they lose twice. They shouldn't, but – you know, who else is going to go in then? Indiana, Iowa State, um, I don't know, Florida, Florida with the, the, the one loss, but they'll have two if they lose to Alabama. Texas A&M would just have the one loss. I don't know. I'd like to see somebody else get in. I think it would make things more exciting. Not to say that Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State can't put on some good games, but man, if you're not going to expand it, you know, maybe at least you'd like to see things changed up a little bit with who gets in there. Coastal Carolina. There you go. The mullets. Put them in. <laughs> the fighting mullets. Uh, man, they, they ruined the big BYU's uh, season in a, in a big way. There. But credit to those teams for playing that game. Exactly. They scheduled yes, that game last minute. Out of my mouth. Yep. And they basically said, hey, let's have a playoff game. 
decide who who has the outside shot at getting in the playoff. And no one BYU should still get in a good bowl. No one's gonna they shouldn't be punished for going out and scheduling that game last minute. God forbid that uh, team people want to see. There's a note for college basketball and conference scheduling. Um, hopefully, folks can uh, can write that one down. All right, Dave, big Saturday in Columbia. You'll be there. I'll be there. We'll have all kinds of coverage at stltoday.com and in the pages of the Post-Dispatch. We'll have a coverage leading up to it this week. We'll have coverage breaking it down in Sunday's paper and, and, and after that. So Mizzou fans, enjoy it. And uh, while you can't be there in person, um, know that it's going to have ripple effects for a long time coming, however this weekend goes in Columbia on Saturday. For Dave, I'm Ben. We will talk to you next week.